Uh, good morning. Thank you for being here this morning. And let's uh, start with prayer, please. Father, we come this morning to worship you, to say thank you for you're the God of all creation and you're the author of our salvation. And we just we rejoice in the in the grace that you have lavished out on us. And we ask this morning as we come to you that you would set the distractions of, of what's going on around us uh, aside and that we might really draw close to you, close together. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. You can stand with us as we sing. You have called us out of darkest night into your glorious light that we may sing the wonders of the risen Christ. May our every breath retell the grace that broke into our strife. With boundless love and deepest joy, with endless life. May the peoples praise you, that the nations be glad. All your blessing comes that we may praise, may praise the name of Jesus. All the earth is yours and all within, each harvest is your own. And from your hand we give to you to make Christ known. May the seeds of mercy grow in us for those who have not heard. May songs of praise build lives of grace to spread your word. May the peoples praise you, let the nations be glad. All your blessing comes that we may praise, may praise the name of Jesus. This our holy privilege to declare your praises and your name. To every nation, tribe, and tongue your church proclaim. May the peoples praise you, let the nations be glad. All your blessing comes that we may praise, may praise the name of Jesus. Holy, holy is the Lord Almighty, worthy, worthy. Is the Lamb who was slain. Holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. All creation, praise your glorious name. May the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad. All your blessing comes that we may praise, may praise the name of Jesus. 
few announcements to, to share with you. Uh, one is that there's a table that's got some, uh, on the back counter actually, there's a, in the foyer, or the fellowship room. There's a bunch of tomatoes. Feel free to help yourself to them. And, uh, I, I've been instructed to tell you that they need to be gone because there's a lot more at their home. And so, uh, just, uh, letting you know, you feel free to take them. There's some, I think there's some plastic Ziplocs next to them. So go for it. And then, uh, the school, uh, New Life Christian School has, they're not going to have, for obvious reasons, they're not going to have the auction this year. And, uh, so they have a, a fall raffle going on. And the prizes are a $2,000 gift certificate from Vern's Furniture. Um, that's the first, uh, grand prize. They have uh, a cord of Madrone firewood that's in the prize list, a restaurant package uh, uh, worth $200, a uh, $100 gas card from renters. There's a number of things. And so uh, the drawing is going to be held on October 8th. The tickets are $5 a piece. And Naomi, you still have tickets? We have to get four next Sunday. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. And so... Uh, if you don't have them, get them this Sunday. Be sure to get them next Sunday. And uh, the school is definitely a real ministry in our community, and we've been supporting it for ever since we began here. So uh, we just appreciate the support for the school. Um, also, uh, I, well, I think that's all I've got in the way of well, in the way of announcement. Just the, we're continuing to to obviously do the masks. Uh, if where you're seated, if the mask is uncomfortable, uh, feel free to let it drop and, 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 and be okay that way. But when we sing, I'll ask you to put it back on. Singing projects multiple feet compared to where it is when we, we just speak. So, uh, we'll ask you to wear them while we're singing and, uh, offering. We're not going to, we don't pass the offering plate. So the offering is up here and then communion. We have the packets that are out on the table that has the wafer and the juice uh, together. And so if you didn't get one of those when you came in, uh, feel free to go out while we're singing and get, get one or, or for your group that's with you if you need to. And uh, I think that's all the way, all that I've gotten that way. In prayer this morning, uh, Kay Morris, uh, she says she feels like she's been playing the game of shoots and ladders. And I, she had to remind me what that was because I, I remember playing it a long time ago when I was a kid, but I, I hadn't thought about it. And that's just, it's a lot of ups and downs in a game. And, uh, that's the way she's felt with her health as she's in uh, the rehab in Reading, uh, in recovery, uh, from the back surgery, but things seem to be going well. She's in a room with another woman who's, uh, her name is Marsha and she asked that we would pray for her. She's recovering from an extensive surgery. And, uh, she is, uh, also a Christian. And so they've been able to, every morning they read together and pray together. And so it's really been nice for her. She sees that as an answer to prayer for her. And then for her son, Jamie, uh, he's been having major seizures and, uh, they haven't been able to get him under control. So the doctor is putting him on a new medication and it seems to be working. And, uh, she just asked that we would pray for Jamie. Uh, prayer for the Cardoza family. Uh, Alaris passed away on Wednesday. And, uh, so we want to pray for, uh, her son, Mark, and extended 
family there and also to pray for Jerry. You know, Jerry has been responsible for almost all the caretaking in the sense of making sure she's okay, uh, getting the medication she needs and all those things. And uh, so we just uh, need to keep him in prayers. Uh, it's being, it's very difficult for him right now. And so, uh, uh, the Alan Abishon, yeah, he's recovering from a cold, you know, so, uh, praying for him. And then Diane Van, they are discovering that, that, uh, some of these dizzinesses and, and different things and possibly even related to some of the chest pains has been a matter of seizures. And so they put her on a, a new medication. And she's just praying that it will work. So she asked that we would pray for her. Um, that's all I have on the, the prayer list that uh, for today. Is there anything else that I'm missing? Yes. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Nicole. Let's pray together. Father, first, again, we come to acknowledge you are the God of all creation. You know all of the things that that we need before we do. Uh, Yet you instruct us very specifically to bring our needs before you and to pray. and and, And you've given us the privilege of approaching you with a confidence even with a boldness in a sense, uh, to pray for your mercy and grace on our, on our lives and on the, on, and on the needs of, of our loved ones and friends. And so we come to you this morning praying for the needs of, of those in our congregation, those that we don't know uh, about directly. We bring them to you and ask, Lord, that you would bring strength, bring healing, bring peace, meet financial needs, relationship needs, whatever's going on lord we just ask for your your assistance in our day-to-day lives we pray specifically for Kay, and thank you lord that you uh gave her a a room with a uh a, a christian woman that, uh, that they that they can pray for each other and and read scripture together and uh she seemed to, it, it, such a an uplifting for for Kay. and i just thank you but we do pray for Kay as for her healing that, that, that you would just rid her body of every point of infection. And the same for Marsha as she's recovering from uh, uh, an extensive surgery, too. And uh, for Jamie, Kay's son, uh, we just ask, Lord, that you would be with him. Remind him first, Lord, that you are there. I know he knows who you are. Uh, he has a problem, uh, staying focused on that. And we just ask that you would reveal yourself to him in a way that he would know that he knows that he knows that you are with him. And as he's going through this, uh, adjustment with new medication, uh, uh, to take care of these seizures that he's having, we don't hesitate to ask that you would bring the miraculous and just heal him that he wouldn't even need the medication. Confidently, we leave it in your hands. We pray for Alan that you would continue to to fully bring him into full recovery from this cold he has, and for Diane 
that this new medication will work for her. But again, we don't hesitate to pray for the miraculous and the healing. And finally, Lord, this morning we pray for the Cardoza family. We thank you so much for having had Alaris in our lives. And we are confident, Lord, as we pray together that she is with you. Uh, we know without any, any doubt in our minds, uh, her faith and her, her relationship with you. We do pray for her son, Mark, that, that he would come to that same assurance that his mom has and the sense of faith and that you would be with him and comfort him as only you can. Bring people across his path that are believers that will encourage him, lift him up, and that he might find uh, strength and help from, Lord. And very specifically, we pray for Jerry and thank you for his his taking care of, of his sister-in-law for, for so long and, and just ministering to her in so many ways. And we ask, Lord, that you would be with him as he makes the adjustment of of, of this transition as well. But knowing, Lord, as, I, as we shared yesterday, knowing with confidence that she is with you and that we see her again because of our relationship with you as well. So we thank you. And, Lord, uh, for uh, uh, all who are here today, we ask, Lord, that you would, uh, again, just cause the distractions of, of the day, of the week, uh, the things going around uh, the virus, the, 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 the politics, all of these things. If we could just set all of that aside through the power of your Holy Spirit in us, Lord, set these aside. And as we sing together, as we pray together, as we open your word together, that you would open our hearts and our minds to receive from you and be strengthened in our walk. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you guys to stand with us again because we're singing, Oh, Church, Arise. Be weird to sing it sitting down. (laughs) Oh, Church, Arise and put your armor on. Hear the call of Christ our captain. For now the weak can say that they are strong in the strength that God has given. With shield of faith and melt of truth, we'll stand against the devil's lies. An army bold whose battle cry is love, reaching out to those in darkness. Our call to war, to love the captive soul, but to rage against the captor. And with the sword that makes the wounded whole, we will fight with faith and valor. When saints with trials on every side, we know the outcome is secure. And Christ will have the prize for which he died, an inheritance of nations. Come see the cross where love and mercy meet, as the Son of God is stricken. 
Then see his foes lies pressed beneath his feet, for the conqueror has risen. And as the stone is rolled away, and Christ emerges from the grave, this victory march continues till the day every eye and heart shall see him. So spirit come, put strength in every stride, give grace for every hurdle that we may run with faith to win the prize of a servant good and faithful. As saints of old still line the way, retelling triumphs of His grace, we hear their calls and hunger for the day when with Christ we stand in glory. As saints of old still line the way, retelling triumphs of His grace, we hear their calls and hunger for the day when with Christ we stand in glory. Father, great things he has done. So loved he the world that he gave us his son, who yielded his life and atonement for sin, and opened the life gate that all may go in. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son, and give him the glory, great things he has done. Oh, perfect redemption, the purchase of blood, to every believer, the promise of God, the vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus of pardon receives. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him the glory, great things he has done. Great things he has taught us, great things he has done, and great are rejoicing through Jesus the Son. But purer and higher and greater will be our one. 
wonder our transport when Jesus we see. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son, and give him the glory, great things he has done. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, pleasing to you. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. My God, you're my rock and my redeemer. You're the reason that I sing. I desire to be a blessing in your right. Every hour, every moment. Lord, I want to be your servant. I desire to be a blessing in your eyes, in your eyes. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, pleasing to you. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, my God. You're my rock and my redeemer. You're the reason that I see. I desire to be a blessing in your eyes. Every hour, every moment, Lord, I want to be your servant. I desire to be a blessing in your eyes, 
in your eyes. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, my God. We've been doing a series on worship. This will be the fourth message in that series. The first message, as you recall, was uh, from John 4, 23, 24, where Jesus is talking to the Samaritan woman at the well and says that there will be a point in time, and even now was there, because Christ was there, that we would worship God in spirit and in truth. And the major point, uh, I, from that was that we would be worshiping with our heart, our soul, and our mind. In other words, we're not just worshiping in pretense by kneeling or, or praying or giving our offerings and our tithes, but we're worshiping from our heart, worshiping from our soul, worshiping with our mind. And it said to be worshiped in spirit and in truth. And truth is defined by Jesus himself. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And he said also that his word is truth. And so we come through Jesus Christ to worship God with our heart, our soul, and our mind. We come through Jesus Christ because we have an established relationship with him. He is our Savior. We've confessed with our mouth, believe in our heart that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that God raised him from the dead. We, we come with his word as our guide. We look to his word to give us direction and guidance as to what is acceptable and pleasing to God. And then we come with the comforter. Jesus Christ said the Holy Spirit that he would give us would be our teacher or our guide. So we come through Christ uh, in a relationship with Christ using the word as our, our guide with the Holy Spirit as our teacher to come to worship him with our heart, soul, and mind. We then went to Psalm 95 and the idea that we worship because God has invited us. He says, oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Our God is, our, you know, our, he's our creator. He's our shepherd. If you go through that psalm, you'll see that he's our savior. The third message came from Psalm 139, focused on the attributes of God. All-knowing, all-seeing, all-present, all-powerful. We acknowledge these and, and, and realize too that this is who that we are to meditate on these things. And so, uh, again, to worship God for his great attributes. He alone is worthy of our praise. And then we come today, and I want to, to bring it down to that we actually get that opportunity to explain 
you know, who Jesus is and who we are in the context of all of this. And so I want to start with first Peter chapter two, uh, starting with verse four. First Peter chapter two, verse four. And as we're looking to that, just a reminder that, that we start with who Jesus is. And I'm not going to look up these verses, but, but if we go to the Gospel of John, we see very clearly the very first uh, phrases. Uh, he is, you know, the Word was in the beginning, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then it says in John chapter 1, verse 14, that the Word became flesh. So the Word is obviously who? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ became flesh. And in verse 18 of that same Gospel, in chapter 1, uh, it says that the Word reveals to us who the Father is. That way, Jesus could actually say, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. In John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And we're told in Acts chapter 4, no one is saved outside of the name of Jesus Christ. He and he alone. So, you know, as we come, uh, let's look at uh, 1 Peter chapter uh two starting with the fourth verse and as we do let's pray father we come as we open your word we ask that your holy spirit would open our hearts and our minds we we commit this time to you and ask that through your holy spirit not only from from my side that you would would preach through me lord but that you would cause us all to receive from your word the things that we need each of us for our walk with you and that is always the amazing thing that as we share scripture together it can minister to all of us, even though we're at different points in different places. So we commit this to you and and ask in the name of Jesus that you would be with us and strengthen us in our walk. In Jesus' name, amen. First Peter chapter 2, verse 4. As you come to him, referring to Christ, as you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, so the honor is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders reject has become the cornerstone uh, 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 and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. Jesus here is called the living stone. Uh, he is the cornerstone. And the idea of a cornerstone, we're, we're probably not as familiar with it today as, as we were in buildings of, of uh, older times. Where, but, but the idea of the cornerstone is the, the stone that is placed first. And everything that is built in a building is referenced back to that cornerstone. That cornerstone is, the, is, the, is not only a found, part of the foundation, but it is what everything is measured by. So when, when a builder was building anything and he was building in any direction or up, he, he did it from the cornerstone so that it would all come together. So he is our cornerstone. 
he is is the stone. And then it says something really awkward for us to deal with. He's also called the stone of stumbling and offense. What we realize is he is the cornerstone to all who believe. He is the living stone, the cornerstone to all who believe. But to the world who rejects Christ, who refuses Christ or simply ignores Christ. He is a stone of stumbling. Why would you think that would be called a stone of stumbling? You think about the fact that it's there, people stumble over it. In other words, Jesus is the God, God as creator. He is obvious. Romans tells us very clearly that God is obvious in his creation. If you want to know God, you'll see in his creation there is a God. It will, it will spur you that direction. But if you reject that, you know, and reject the idea of a creator, uh, you'll find your life, your, your life is one of, of stumbling and, and offense in the sense of your relationship with God. If you ignore Jesus, you have no relationship with God. How critical is that to understand for people? You can't say, Oh, I, I, I believe in God uh, as, you know, I, I recall different phrases that were used. The the first cause. The intelligent, you know, there's an intelligent creation going on. So we'll say intelligent design put together by the first cause. But we ignore the word of God, the truth of God, Jesus Christ. And as a result, when it comes to standing before the throne of God, we're we're lost. And so... We look at this and we realize, you know, he is the living stone. He is the cornerstone. All things are measured from him. If we ignore him, he becomes a stumbling stone uh, or a stone of offense. And and the idea of stone of offense is I don't know how many people over the, the years in my Christian walk uh, that that would would say they're offended when they hear the, the concept of Christianity and that you're saved by Christ alone, that there is no other way. It's too narrow. It's too narrow-minded. There must be more than that. All the religions. You know, in fact, they'll even go through a list of religions that will at least acknowledge the reality of Jesus Christ and say, see, they're, they're, they're acknowledging him. You know, at least they should be included. You know, that's not what the scripture says. Remember, we're coming to this idea of the truth. Jesus is the truth. His word is the truth. We have to come through Jesus Christ in a personal relationship using his word by the power of the Holy Spirit in us to understand who he is. And so he is the living stone. He is the cornerstone. And as a result, he is making us living stones. And he's building us together, each one of us, into a spiritual house. And it's a, 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 a and, and into a holy priesthood. We are becoming in that context or idea of a spiritual house, where is the indwelling of God at this point in time in the, in the world today? Is it in some building, some temple, some in this, this building? No, it's in the body of Christ. We are the temple of God in, on earth. We are the people who, you know, God has chosen to be. And, and so each one of us are a living stone somewhere in the building of, of, of that God is putting together in his church. But it's a supernatural thing. We are, obviously, we're living stones. How are we alive as stones? Because of Jesus Christ. And so, uh, 
you know, this idea of living stones. It says also the idea of a living sacrifice in here. The living sacrifice takes us back to Romans chapter 12, verse 1, where we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. This is something that is pleasing to God. What does it mean to be a living sacrifice? We're asking God to take our lives. Well, in a sense, yes. We're asking him to put to death the old man and rise up and raise up the new man. That there, that there will be a new creature in Christ. But literally what we're saying is, is that we're offering ourselves to be given to God, to be used of God for his purposes. And it doesn't matter where we are, any place, anywhere that we are. And it could be in your workplace. And it doesn't mean you have to be sitting there uh, taking your Bible around with you under your arm and witnessing to all the people. or anything. It's just simply living for Christ wherever you are. Striving your hardest to be a, a, an example of Christ. And this idea of a living sacrifice is that you've surrendered your eyes, your ears, your hands to God. That you might see the world the way God sees it. That you might hear the world the way God hears it. And you might come alongside and help the world the way God directs you. So here we are, living stones, building up the church or the body of Christ. Uh, we are a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. And I'll, I'll deal with that a little more directly in a, in a few minutes. Um, again, uh, we, we are, you know, the, the, the world is, is stumbling over Christ, even finds Christ offensive. That is not to, to stop us. And we shouldn't be surprised. And, and it doesn't mean that uh, you're, you, you, I, I think of like you, you go to a, 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 a baseball game, you're sitting in the stands, and someone a few seats over has a foul mouth. Should you, should you address him or not? You know, I look at it in two ways. One is that if, if, if you're protecting your kids' ears or something like that and they're with you, you have an obligation or a right to turn around and say, you know, this is, that's offensive to my kids. Now that might mean he's just gonna, Swear all the louder and all the more. But when we go to the places of the world for our entertainment, we should expect to hear the things of the world. Now, I'm not saying don't go there. Some people will go as far as they don't go to places like that. They don't have TVs in their home and, the, you know, different things. But and I don't fault that. What I'm just saying is, is that, you know, we realize that's the way the world is. They're offended with Christ. Christ is is, is better used as a swear name, which always amazes me. Because that's actually acknowledging he has some kind of authority and power. We are living stones in Christ. We are, are uh, living sacrifices to be made to Christ. We are a spiritual house being built with Christ in us. We are a holy priesthood. And I'll get, like I said, that in a little more detail in a minute. Look at it, verses 9 and 10. But you, now here's who we are. We are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who calls you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And some of the songs that we sang this morning so coincide with the, the, those words right there. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. 
He describes the believer, the follower of Christ here. We are a chosen people or a, a chosen race. Uh, it, you know, depending on, on, on your translation, but a chosen race means as a people of Christ, we are a unique people. We are different than all the other people of the world. The irony of that is that we're made up of all people of the world. Every race, creed, color that, that turns and gives up their, 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 themselves and comes to Christ and accepts Christ as the true the way to God and, 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 and the, the word of God, then we all become of one race, one nation. He uses that term as well. We are one people. The church is no place for bigotry. We are one people. We are the children of God, he says here. We have received an invitation. Again, this idea of being a chosen race. Uh, we have received that invitation. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down and have submitted to it. We're a royal priesthood. It says we are a holy priesthood before that. Holy means to be separated for a specific purpose, to glorify God. Now, to be holy is to be sanctified. How many of us are totally, completely sanctified? None of us. We're in the process of being. It's, it's an amazing thing. God sees it as a completed work. He knows the end from the beginning. And so he receives us even now. But the reality is it's a process going on. Think about your walk with Christ. Anybody that's been a Christian for years and years and years can can see the, the transitions of, of some of what you have left behind because it wasn't of God and things that you have put on that you never would have thought of before you'd come to Christ. You never would have, have, have thought my 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 mom and my dad were so concerned uh, about. My becoming a Christian at the the way I did, I started going to church and 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 tithing and going to church on Monday or Sunday 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 night and Wednesday. They were convinced. My and my mom was, I think, convinced to the point at the time of her death that I was in a cult. She was afraid that you know uh, I would give everything away to to the church, you know, and uh, in a sense she was right. Because I realized everything I have belongs to God. It's a gift from God. But that idea of, of, of surrendering to Christ, a chosen people, a royal family. Again, this idea of a royal priesthood is royal. We come from the royal family. Jesus Christ is King of Kings, Lord of Lords. He has received us into his kingdom as royalty, as royal family. We are his brothers and sisters in Christ. He calls us that. He even tells us that through Paul's writings that we are heirs with him in the kingdom of God. He shares his inheritance with us. We are part of a royal family. We are royalty in that context. And as a priesthood. And I'll actually get to that later. But the idea of a priesthood is those who are dedicated to the worshiping of Christ and the leading of worship into Christ. 
But this idea of being a royal family, you can find it in Romans chapter 8. How many times do I go there? I don't know. But but Romans chapter 8, we first have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And with that, we see that we are children of God. Verse 14 of, of, of Romans 8 says we are children of God. It says we are adopted in verse 15. In verse 16, it says, again, we're children of God. And in verse 17, it says we're fellow heirs or joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Those that are in the flesh, where Jesus is a stumbling block or an offense, can't appreciate any of this, nor do they participate in any of this. And again, they're a holy nation, a people of his own possession. Boy, for for people of the Western world, this is really quite difficult to grasp and get a hold of because we are so steep in our independence from the time that we enter school we are taught that we are people of independent we are our own people each person is the captain of his destiny you choose you're you're in charge uh you know and and we're built up to have that idea of great self-esteem and then we come and, and god says to throw your self-esteem aside and see yourself as a sinner needing salvation and that you can't save yourself and that we need to become part of the kingdom of God and recognize that Jesus Christ is king of kings and lord of lords. And that he owns us. How contrary is that to everything that we learn in, in, from, a, from a national point of view? Okay? I am not anti-patriotism here. What I'm saying is I absolutely, you know, I, I, I love the fact that, that we have all the freedoms that we have and I stand in them and on them and, and will defend them. But I recognize that above and beyond what I am as a part of the nation of the United States of, or the, of America, I am a, God puts it very clearly, I'm a pilgrim passing through this world. So I'm passing through the United States. To the kingdom of God, which that's where my citizenship is. And as as a citizen of the kingdom of God, I'm in a monarchy. God, Christ is the Lord. He's the king. He is the absolute authority over all things. And he reveals his authority through his word and gives us the Holy Spirit to help us find and understand and, and direct our path. We're totally dependent. On God. Children of God. Adopted by God. Fellow heirs with Christ. A holy nation. Again, going back to, to Peter says, a holy nation, a people of his own possession. And then it's, and, and then it, I, I add, it adds to this idea what, what it is we do. We proclaim the excellencies of him who called you. We proclaim his excellencies. And this word means we proclaim his moral excellence, his holy attributes, his holy character. And if it, to proclaim is to declare out loud in word and deed. It's an interesting way this word is used in context here. In our words and in our deeds, we are declare the excellencies of God. We're not to hold back. So whether we're at, no matter where we are, we are to declare. Now somebody's going to say, well, what if, if, if your work doesn't allow that? I still believe that you can declare by your actions and the way you treat people 
that you are, are, are uniquely different. And there is an opportunity. God says, if you live your life for me, it's, it, I'm putting this in an equation, which is normally what I do. If, if you live your life for me, there's a scripture that comes true. People are going to ask why you are the way you are. And when you do, you share what Christ has done. One on one, privately. If you can't do it at work, say, hey, let's go to lunch together and I'll tell you about it. Now, I know people that have been let go from their jobs because of their faith and their relationship to God. People find out, oh, you're one of those. You know, and maybe there's certain things with your work that you can't participate in. I, I, I ran into that where I was working in San Jose while I was in Bible college. I worked in a place called Nude Furniture. Now, Nude Furniture, you got to understand, was a shop that was, that was started in the 50s. That's what unfinished furniture was called in the 50s. There was no innuendo. There was no, you know, anything. There was, it, nobody got pink-faced because they said it. You, you bought a piece of nude furniture, meant you bought a piece of unfinished furniture. Nobody gave it a second thought. But when I was there, the, 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 they came up with this new slogan for their, the store. They said, if you answer the phone, you're just say, thank you for shopping nude. I couldn't do that. I pick up the phone. I said, this is Bob Hapgood. My name, you know, my name is Bob Hapgood. Uh, thank you for calling Nude Furniture. What may I do to help you? My manager was so upset about that, that when he was given the opportunity, he fired me. What was really interesting was six months later, the, 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 the original owner of the business had to come back and take it over. He was going through the books and he says, where's this guy with a good sales record? And they said, oh, he got fired by so-and-so. Why? Oh, because, you know, he was a Christian. But was he preaching and declaring it to everybody? He said, oh, no, it was just that, you know, goody two-shoes called me up and offered me my job back. And I took it. God has a way of working things out. By the way, I just will share with you what happened after that. Over that period of the next two years, while we were still in Bible college, I had the opportunity to witness and share with every single person there. I even had the privilege of baptizing one of them. And it wasn't because I was preaching the gospel. One of the things that was interesting, though, because I had a weekend ministry, they had to vote whether I could have the weekend off. Unanimously, they gave it to me because, uh, you know, that was more opportunity for them to make more money. And and so when I came back, they had papered uh, or I had in the spray booth. I did a lot of the finishing there. I, I'd lacquered uh, my memory work for Bible college to the walls, <laughs> you know, and so it's covered with verses. So they they outside, they put a cross on the top of it as a joke. And I looked at it and thought it is making a difference. It is making a difference. I want to encourage you, even when the world's trying to offend you, if they're offending you because you're a believer, because you're living for Christ, then actually that is bringing glory to God. We are to proclaim, declare in word and deed 
the excellencies, the moral excellencies, the holy attributes, the character of God to all who will listen. It says we are called out of darkness and into light. Out of darkness. In darkness, it says once you go to verse 10, past verse 9 there, it says once you were not a people. That's when we were in darkness. We were called out of that and we were called into the light. Now, verse 10, now you are God's people. Something has happened. The old man has been put to death and a new man has been born as a new creature in Christ. It's not complete. But there is a neat promise of God. He says, I will complete the work I have begun. So it will become complete. We were in the darkness. And still going back to the second part of verse 10, it says, once you had not received mercy, that's when you were in the darkness. And then it says, now you have received mercy. That's because we're in the light. What's the mercy? The forgiveness of our sins. Grace that we do not deserve. The result of all this for me, was summed up in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. And it's a parallel to this verse that we just shared. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with, thanks, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. It seemed to just sum up what I was just sharing. Let the word of Christ, the truth of Christ, his word is truth, dwell in you. This word dwell is in this context here is to take up residence and influence you for good. To take up residence and influence you for good. And then it says, dwell in you richly or to richly dwell in you, depending on your translation. This idea of richly is abundantly. And the idea of of, of abundantly here is more than enough. Overflowing. Isn't it interesting? Jesus used those terms to describe when God would come into us, that we'd become like uh, uh, the streams of living water would flow from us. That's this idea to dwell in us to the point where it's overflowing. And how are we to, to demonstrate this, this richly dwelling word of God that's in us by teaching others? Now, remember, as you know, teaching or instruction. The final authority in this is the Holy Spirit guiding us, directing us, teaching us. It doesn't mean that we're to decide when to come in and thump somebody on the head with the Bible, but God will give you a, uh, I really believe, if you're seeking it, God will give you a direction as to when to share his word and who to share it with. And it might be a place where you least expect it. It was shared with me. When, it's, when God actually opened my eyes to the power of his Bible and his word, it was shared with me on a busy morning in May with snow, a freaky freak snow outside where a bunch of us who had businesses decided not to open our doors because we didn't want to clear the snow off the walkways because it would melt off within an hour or two. And we decided to go to the, the brunch house for breakfast. And apparently everybody else had thought the same thing. One table in the corner, 
three chairs open, one guy sitting there by himself. There's three of us. We came up and said, do you mind if we sit with you? Two hours later, still talking with him, my friends had left. Most of the place had cleared out. Over cold meals, we were talking about all things, the Bible and God. Just weeks later, before I had said, I will not listen to this stuff anymore. Teaching us, instructing us, admonishing us. This idea of the word of God admonishing us is giving us warning, uh, exhorting us, encouraging us. Uh, so God's word is, gives us warning. And it also gives us encouragement. And we're to pass that on to each other, by the way. Uh, and, and using God's wisdom and his truth uh, on a, a day-to-day, moment-to-moment. And then it says, in the process of this extolling, lifting up God uh, and, and who he is, we're to do it with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Psalms are just what it sounds like. They're it's, it's like the songs of the Old Testament. They were written as songs to worship God. They were sung. Okay? That doesn't mean that you have to sing the, the songs, but the idea is that our praise songs are good examples of just this idea of, of psalms to God. Praising God, worshiping Him, thanking Him. Hymns are sacred songs. And I believe that hymns are, are more to, they, they get into telling specifically how, how, who God is and what God has done. And you think about a lot of our famous great hymns. They tell the story of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. The, it, it, so many different powerful things. I remember the first year after becoming a Christian, we, we were singing uh, Christmas hymns. I'd never heard them that way before. I don't know how many times I had been Christmas caroling before that as part of a season activity. But I heard the songs for the first time. And the Christmas hymns tell the story of Christ. The word of God becoming flesh into the world and telling us who the Father is. It's all in there. So hymns are sacred songs. Spiritual songs. Songs that, that are, are and, and, and the idea of songs here is a flow of words. It doesn't have to be something that's done with a melody. It's just the idea that your, your, your speech becomes something that is covered by the Holy Spirit. And we speak because the Holy Spirit is working through us. And then again, it says in verse 17, whatever you do in word or deed, you know, the word is spoken or sung. <laughs> the deed is action or physical. Pretty much covers everything, doesn't it? Even as you go to sleep, you go to sleep. If you if 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 you use this psalm literally, uh, this this phrase literally, you go to sleep dwelling on the Lord, because we do it in the name of Jesus. He's the focal point. In the name of Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Jesus. I feel this is what we've done even this morning. As we've shared in singing, as we've shared in prayer, as we've shared in the word. And so we complete our, 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 our worship service today 
we, we complete our worshiping together with an opportunity in a time of thanksgiving and recognizing what Christ has done with us. That's why we share communion every Sunday after we're done with the with uh, singing and, 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 and with the idea of, of, of being in the word together. We share communion as a as a remembrance of what Christ has done. And not only that, as thanksgiving. By the way, you've always heard the, the word, many of you, most of you have heard the name Eucharist. You think, well, that's what they do in liturgical churches like the Catholic Church or the Lutheran Church or the Episcopalian Church. It means thanksgiving, the table of thanksgiving. I wanted to, to share with you. We're going to sing a song. It says, take me in. Most of you are familiar with it. It's take me past the outer courts. Take me into the holy place. Past the brazen altar, Lord, I want to see your face. Pass me by the crowds of people and the priests who sing your praise. I hunger and I thirst for your righteousness, but it's only found in one place. And the chorus is, take me into the Holy of Holies. Take me in by the blood of the Lamb. There's no other way of entrance today. Take me into the Holy of Holies. And then it has a a really interesting phrase. Take the coal, cleanse my lips. Here I am. It comes out of Isaiah chapter 6. Once Isaiah realized he was in the Holy of Holies, he was, he said, Oh, I am in trouble. I'm a man of unclean lips. Every one of us are people of unclean lips. We need to have our lips cleansed. And this is symbolic of that picture. The angel took a coal from the altar of God and touched the lips of, 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 of Isaiah. And the idea was, he says, now you are cleansed. You are clean. Now, and, and, uh, cleansing, holy, sanctified. And, uh, so, if you understand the temple of the Old Testament, there was the outer court. That was even the, even Gentiles were allowed in there. The, they were to be the believing Gentiles, but they were allowed in there. That's where all, that was where, what Jesus cleared out of all the cellars and stuff like that because it, it stopped being the place it was supposed to be. It was still supposed to be a place of prayer and holy. But then there was the the next court, which was the court of the Jews or the or, or of, of the Hebrews, and only Jews were allowed there. Within that court was located the tabernacle, and that was where the holy place and the holy of holies were. You'd go into the holy place. That's where the priests offered up their praise. There was a brazen altar outside of that where the offerings were given. And, and they, then they would only, only certain priests at designated times by lot were drawn, uh, would go into the holy place and light candles and, and, and offer prayer. But there's one more place in the holy of holies or in the, the temple. It's a holy of holies. Only one person was allowed to go in there, and then only once a year. And that was the place of the high priest. It was the representation of the of the Ark of the Covenant with the mercy seat, and that was the place where God would meet the people. In the Old Testament, in the tabernacle, that's where God's glory would rest. Do you realize that we as believers are invited to dwell in the Holy of Holies? 
We don't need a high priest because we are of the priesthood. We don't. Jesus is our high priest and he has gone there ahead of us. And then he has invited us in. What an amazing thing to think about. What a what an amazing God we have. And so that's what we're we'll sing that song and then we'll enter into communion. The worship team come, please. Take me past the outer courts and through the holy place, past the brazen altar. Lord, I want to see your face. Pass me by the crowds of people, the priests who sing your praise. I hunger and thirst for your righteousness. But it's only found in one place. Take me into the holy of holies. Take me in by the blood of the Lamb. Take me into the holy of holies. Take the coal, cleanse my lips. Here I am. Take me past the outer courts and through the holy place, past the brazen altar. Lord, I want to see your face. Pass me by the crowds of people, the priests to sing their praise. I hunger and thirst for your righteousness, but it's only found in one place. Take me into the holy of holies. Take me in by the blood of the Lamb. Take me into the holy of holies. Take the coal, cleanse my lips, here I am. Take me into the holy of holies. Take me in by the blood of the Lamb. Take me into the holy of holies. Take the coal, cleanse my lips, here I am. At the point of the death of Christ on the cross, 
I wanted to, to read this as we go into communion. Now, from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 22. And some of the bystanders hearing it said, this man is calling out Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the other said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and he yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple that divided the curtain that divided the holy of holies from the holy place where the priests would come every day to offer up their prayers and incense and and sing to the Lord every day in the holy of holies, uh, the holy place, the 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 veil between them was it says that was torn in two from the top to the bottom. This veil was something that was inches thick. It was multiple layers of material. There was no seam in it. The, the, the you know, you don't want to think of a veil with something like your curtains. with something going down the middle and you open them up this way. The way into the holy place uh, was around the side. It was rent in two. It says, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. And it says, and coming out of the tubes, uh, well, we actually skip over and it says, and, and his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to me. There was those that had come up out of the tombs. But this is what I wanted to finish with. It says, when the centurion and those who were with him keeping watch over Jesus saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, truly, this was the son of God. The veil was rent in two. What that meant was that no longer was there a, uh, something dividing us from from God. We didn't have to come through a priesthood anymore. We would come through Jesus, our high priest. The book of Hebrews explains all of that in such great detail. It's a fantastic book to understand the temple, the significance, and what Christ has done for us. And that's where we're told to enter with confidence because of Jesus Christ. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, it says that uh, they were eating and Jesus took bread and after blessing it, he broke it and he gave it to the disciples and said, eat this. This is my body. And the bread in our little packet here is if you push the little lever forward, uh, it takes off the uh, place where the, the wafer is. I'm sitting here fumbling with it. And then if you pull it all the way off the the little foil part, you open up the cup as well. Jesus said, take this bread, eat it, do this in remembrance of me. Let us share the bread. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 27, it says, He took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So we're celebrating pouring out of his blood the covering of our sins, but we're also recognizing he is coming again. Let us share in the cup.
Father, again we come praising you, thanking you that you've given us this picture of, of, of your sacrifice that we can share today, not to think of you dead, but to realize you're alive from what we just Shared, you know, it says that you died on the cross, the separating of the veil, the, re, the inviting us into the Holy of Holies. But it also very clearly tells you that, that your authority to do all of this was proven by your resurrection three days later. And if you're coming again, you must be alive. And so we celebrate not only your death, but your resurrection and your coming again. And we thank you that you have called us into your kingdom. And that you call us to worship you, to remind us that, that that is, is, there's nothing more important than drawing into you in our lives. And Father, as we leave this place today, cause us to again have your eyes, your ears, your hands in a world that is lost and stumbling over you, that we might minister to some as you lead us, that they might come to know you and be saved. We worship you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand as we close? Uh, We uh, just want to say again, thank you for being here this morning, and Lord bless you. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing, I will sing, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord. With my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness, thy faithfulness. With my mouth will I make known Thy faithfulness to all generations. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing. I will sing. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord. With my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness, thy faithfulness. With my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness to all generations. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord.